A special education teacher, an administrator, and a lawyer walk into a bar. And our conversations can get pretty lively. And now, you'll join us while we talk all about special education and the public school system. I'm Robin Fabiano, a special education teacher and a building-based student services administrator. And I'm joined by Abby Hanscom, a district-level student services administrator, and Angela Smagula, a founding partner at Khan and Smagula, specializing in educational law. We've been working together across multiple districts since 2009 and have lots of opinions about special education. In this podcast, we hope to share information, lessons learned, interviews of VIPs, and bring some humor to an otherwise serious topic. But before we get started, three disclaimers. One, the views shared on this podcast are our own and don't represent the views of the district in which we work. Two, Everyone might want Khan and Smagula as their attorneys, but Angela is not giving legal advice during this podcast. Three, although there are federal laws governing special education, we work in Massachusetts, a state that has extra protections, so some of what we speak about may not apply in your state. So let's get started. Hey, Abby, how are you? I'm terrific, Robin. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, the week of Thanksgiving, and so we were just commenting that it's a short week, and for teachers, we are so excited about those short weeks. I think we've earned Thanksgiving break. Yes, yes, and yes, absolutely. So today, um, we're missing Angela. We're sorry she's not here, and um, we've spoken to her beforehand, so we're, we're going to be integrating some of her thoughts into our mid-season two wrap-up. And we just wanted to take the opportunity today to talk about um, any reflections from the first part of season two, and then foreshadow what we're thinking about going forward. And what is interesting is when we started this podcast, we started it last January. So our season one last year was January to June, and we had a couple breakthrough bonus episodes this summer, and then we started in, in September. And so we are in season two, but it feels like we've done just as much as season one, but we're only halfway through the year. I know. I think we're in a dozen episodes already and it's only November. Yeah. So I think this is actually a good pause point to kind of say, we're going to take um, a break over the holidays to catch our breath and refresh and think about uh, things, but also to get some input from people about what they'd like to hear about. And I think we have some data from our analytics about what podcast episodes people seem to warm up to the most. And we thought maybe we'd share that and also um, kick around some ideas. Yeah. So again, our contact information via email is astalpodcast at gmail.com. I'm excited that we've had some um, listeners reach out to us. And so I'm going to urge you to continue to do that. We take your feedback seriously, and we're excited to hear from you what you would like us to be talking about and what topics are important and relevant in your life. The top three podcasts from this season um, were the Free Britney which I think I love is that. hysterical. <laughs> I think we helped. I think we helped push the universe in her direction a teeny tiny bit. Yeah, I think we should take some credit for that. I have a lot of ideas on why that was so popular. I mean, I don't think anyone knew what a conservatorship was exactly. until Brittany made it public. Yeah, and then Gia Tolentino and Ronan Farrow got on our coattails and did some investigative reporting after our podcast, I would just say, 
But the reality is there is an entire industry of conservatorship that has both financial and independence um, ramifications for people with disabilities. And this has really shown a spotlight on some of the seedy underside of that, where the uh, some of those mechanisms have not been looked at for decades and decades, and the world has changed and people have more independence now and could have more independence, and the system is very, very archaic. So I'm really hopeful that her situation um, helps other people in the future, and I, I really do think it will. And from a an administrator who focuses on transition, made me really double down and commit to making sure that we are super student centered and that every conversation we have includes the student. Even if the parent has educational guardianship, it doesn't matter. We can't talk about that student without them present and participating and having some input. Even if it's through a picture communication system where it's like, do you want to blank? Yes, no. There needs to be some input from the student on what's happening in their life. Absolutely. And the dynamic I struggle with as a special ed director on that is that it's easier, quicker, and more efficient sometimes for the district to to just communicate to the parent. And that's really not okay. And we need to think about that and figure out how to hold each other accountable to keep the kid's voice present. 100%. Um, Our second um, greatest download was the interview with um, Kristen around behaviors communication. And then like right at the same level was the interview with Bill Kelly. So that shows me that people are enjoying hearing real life experiences from the people that we know and work with. Absolutely. And that people who are in this um, for for the long haul, either as family members or professionals, um, have a lot of insight to share. And I think sometimes in our field, we think only these expert people who live in offices somewhere have anything to tell us. And that's not true. It's really um, a disservice to the conversation to not really put front and center the voices of the people in the field and the families who are really the primary uh, recipient of any of our work. And to ignore that that perspective is, I think, perilous. You've said that before in other podcasts that the special ed teachers really are experts and should be treated as experts and should consider themselves experts. And I agree. I think that um, making sure that we use the people around us to get information and help us and learn from is super important. Yeah. And I, I've sat in many team meetings where I think lovely, thoughtful, capable, informed professionals have been silent out of um, politeness or what they perceive as someone else's larger degree. And that person maybe has only met a kid for two sessions in an office for a total of like six hours. And I, I think if we can't advocate for ourselves as a profession, and I think part of this podcast is helping people reframe that for themselves, right? If we don't have the confidence and the professionalism to self-advocate for ourselves, you know, then we're not doing our job. And uh, I've seen you in team meetings um, subtly redirect the conversation to the teachers uh, at the at the table to ask for their feedback. And I think special ed administrators have to do that too, right? So after um, Bill's interview, I had someone reach out asking to see a picture of the family because they really wanted to 
visualize what the family looked like and what the kids looked like. So that was really cute. And I got some feedback from Liz, Bill's wife, who said, I can't believe that he missed so many prime opportunities to talk about like the dumping phase and the ripping phase. She said, there's so many great moments that he could have touched upon. And that made me think one perspective is real, right? So when you're in it and you think it's the worst day ever, it will fade. So I think that's true. And um, those moments for her were so much more um, impactful on her everyday life because she was trying to hide the mail. So Max didn't rip it into shreds (laughs) or her books (laughs) every time he had a second. But she also talked about how the advice she would give to a parent is to really cut yourself some slack. And the reason why he ate yogurt and cheese and peanut butter sandwiches every day was so she could have a normal dinner with her family. And that really took priority. And so to say like, I'm not going to work on diversifying his food because I want to have a really nice dinner. And the family is more important than that one skill. And now he's in a group home. He eats like a variety of foods, whatever. But she really said, cut yourself some slack, give yourself some grace and um, focus on what you can focus on. Absolutely. So the last couple of episodes that got a lot of um, interaction were the discipline. I know that's so hilarious. And I think it's because people, um, a don't know all the ins and outs of that. So they're curious, but also it's been a busy fall. Definitely. Student behavior and discipline has really, um, come to the forefront. We know that these things have been happening, but the amount in intensity that they're happening is really at a new level. Yeah. And as an administrator, you can go months and months and months without having to do one of these um, complex analyses. And then suddenly you're like slammed with it. You have to do it that afternoon. And so it's helpful. I actually am going to bundle all three of them up and um, send them as like my holiday gift to our administrative council members and be like, just in case you over the holiday break, you'd like to refresh yourself. Um, here's a three pack that you can kind of cover at soup to nuts. And I think half of them will be psyched and half of them will be like, oh my God, get rid of her. Abby, I love that. We should figure out how to do that for some of the other um, episodes that kind of overlap in topic. That's great. My mom has been really into the behavior as communication episode. And she's been speaking with me and my brother about discipline challenges where she'll say like, you're your child did X, Y, and Z. So I'm thinking back to the interview that I heard on Robin's podcast. And I'm wondering, do you think we have enough routine in place? That's hilarious. It's super hilarious and kind of annoying, but (laughs) hilarious. And I'm glad that someone is taking this so seriously and putting all of her ideas into good use. Yes. So looking ahead, Abby, what do you think are going to be the trends for 2022? Well, I'm already thinking ahead to the the realignment of school. And I think of it about it in like a two-year cycle this year and next year. It's like a comet tail in terms of the impact of COVID, right? So I think we could continue to cycle back to reading, writing, math, uh, skills, specially designed instruction, all of those topics, because they're going to come up. I'm actually thinking about dyslexia. And um, we are feeling the new law in Massachusetts focusing on dyslexia. We're feeling that even at the high school level. And so I'm interested in unpacking that a little bit more. Um, We've had some interesting 
listener feedback around conversations about like what's next for teachers? Like how do you make a career change and what's next for a special education teacher? And I think that we should um, have a couple of conversations about that. Not because I feel like special ed teachers are burning out and I'm encouraging them to leave, but after a number of years, sometimes it makes sense to be looking at what's next in your career. Yep. And then I'm also starting to think ahead to a bigger picture conversation around um, intersectionality and um, a variety of kind of pieces of how we chop kids up into little buckets in school and why we do that. And is that helpful or not? Here in Massachusetts, we have this thing called, um, we have MCAS, which is our state uh, assessment, but then the reporting out the data can be aggregated out into these different categories. And there's a super category called high needs, which consolidates a bunch of other categories. And I'm really thinking a lot about why we do this deficit model reporting around high needs. Like instead of it being that the kid has high needs, why wouldn't it be like requires a variety of instructional techniques or something like that focused back at the infrastructure of teaching as opposed to the deficiting of the kid. And so I want to talk about that. I'm going to do some more reading and thinking about it. But this high needs category, particularly Massachusetts, is... um, it's flawed in some ways, and it perpetuates some of this thinking about kids being broken, even though it's intended to um, help shrink gaps. I don't know that it's really accomplishing that. That's interesting. You said that something that I've been noticing when we are in team meetings, especially around evaluations, is that we really do focus on the students areas of need. But sometimes students who are actually doing really well and look pretty well adjusted, but do have a certain area of need, when we're in those meetings, because everything focuses on the area of weakness, I think sometimes we're sending the message that the child is more disabled than they really are. And I'm interested in thinking more about that, just the way I lead meetings and how I facilitate conversations. Absolutely. And the vast majority of people with disabilities are out in the world leading very productive functional lives. And so the question is, how do you shift from a deficit model for the K-12 system suddenly to a college or career orientation, which by, by design has to be much more functionally productive, right? And independent. And so I think there's a lot to talk about there. And in Massachusetts, we're revamping some of our IEP forms and procedures. And that was just rolled out to us um, this past week. And that process would be fun to talk about too, in terms of why why some of the new pieces are getting more attention than perhaps in the past. And so those are all good things. And then we need to hear from people. What are they interested in? We probably need to do more interviews, I'd I'd say, and I'd like to interview people with disabilities who came through the special ed system and hear what they have to say. Yes, that's definitely a voice that we haven't heard yet. Let's um, shift because we're hopefully in the spirit of Thanksgiving, and I'm super thankful that people have been willing to come on and share their stories. We haven't had anyone that has said no, or this platform isn't for me. And um, I was grateful for Laura Gillis to come on and be able to share her story, um, not only as a parent and also as the parent side attorney, which could be a little weird, right? She's coming on and talking to all school-based um, people. And so right. I'm grateful for everyone for, for taking the time out of their busy lives to come and join us. Absolutely. And I think talking about your family 
can be really vulnerable as well. And it's really important that we hear from parents because it is like honoring their kids' experience to think about them as adults and what worked and what didn't work. So I'm very appreciative of that. And my bottom line is I'm super appreciative of all the special ed teachers and administrators out there who have continued to come to work every day this fall, because I don't know about you, Robin, but it's been a bit of a shit show in terms of the COVID response, you know, Um, as of Friday, we had 92 kids in what's called test and stay in a single elementary school. And so uh, in Massachusetts, you're allowed to keep coming to school if you test every morning. We're not um, excluding kids the way we, we we did last year, but the the impact to principals, nurses, teachers, parents, kids has been profound. And we picked up another um, another about six kids this weekend for that same school. So she'll top out at a hundred kids that will be rapid tested in the morning on Monday tomorrow. And so I'm very thankful for the people who literally today are gearing up to do this whole other part of their job and still do their job really well. Uh, so that's and what a difference because last year COVID was so still unknown and scary that we were in like hazmat gear. And now the fact that we're letting potentially exposed kids test and stay and be in the classrooms and people are feeling probably still a little uncomfortable and uneasy, but willing to still educate our children in the best way that they can is just incredible. Yeah, the commitment to the kids is really wonderful. And we got word very early in Massachusetts that all the IEP minutes counted and had to still happen. And that impact for special ed teachers was different than their general ed uh, partners and peer teachers. And so the reality is they've been working at double duty straight through. And I can't think of anybody who would have been better suited to do that than our guys, right? Because they're so awesome and tough and, and built for this, but the reality is it's exhausting. So we would encourage everybody to take a break over Thanksgiving. We're going to practice some self-care and some renewal over the holidays and come back at it. I think pretty hardcore in January. Awesome. So we, we may be dropping one bonus episode because we're filming, we're filming. We are actually filming a podcast. It feels weird to yeah. say. I know I'm um, going to have for- to not wear my pajamas. Right. For CEC, which is the Council for Exceptional Children, they're having their annual um, conference and it is virtual and they've invited us to record live during one of the workshop sessions. So we'll be doing that before January and that will be a bonus episode. And then we're going to take some time and you'll probably hear new episodes coming at you towards the end of January. So I just want to say thank you so much for being such dedicated listeners. I mean, Abby, Angela, and I look at our numbers and we're just blown away by how many people are listening to us every week and are excited and make comments to us and text us like how great this episode was. And this was really funny. And this was really meaningful to me. And we are just so appreciative and grateful for this opportunity. And I'm just hoping it continues to move forward and, you know, more and more listeners. It's a great conversation. So let's keep it going. Yeah. So listen, happy Thanksgiving, Abby. Happy Thanksgiving to Angela. She's listening and happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. And I hope everyone gets a nice break and spends time with their family, whatever context that is. And we will see you in the new year. Um, 
in January. Rock on, Robin. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you have any questions, you can reach us at astalpodcast at gmail.com.